This is your host, Caitlin Cook, and welcome back to the Dead Kate Bounce Experience. This week's guest is me and my producer, Bobby Kraft. We're shaking things up with the first edition of Hash It Out, a regular DCBE feature where we field questions from our listeners and cover the biggest breaking news across the crypto industry to make sure you stay up to date. We want to hear from you. Nothing is off limits. And as we well know, there's never a shortage of crypto news to dive into. So with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. All opinions expressed by your hosts and the podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the hosts or any of their affiliates. This podcast is for commercial and informational purposes only, is not investment advice, and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. We are not recommending any securities or cryptocurrencies, nor is this an offer or sale of a security or cryptocurrency. Hello, and welcome back to the Dead Kate Bounce Experience. This week, we're going to try something different. We are experimenting with a town hall sort of format where we hear from you, the DCBE community, with the questions that you have about the crypto markets, maybe cover some recent events as well. Really just going anywhere the wind blows us and we will hash it out. So with me today, I have producer Bobby dragged him out in front of the camera here for this very special occasion, and he's going to serve me up some questions. So with that, let's get to it. All right. Well, Caitlin, thanks uh, for having me on here and we can uh, get right to a few of these questions. I, I, I'll i tell you just from being on the producer side of things, I've learned a lot uh, about that I never thought I would uh, having to do with crypto. So uh, thank you. Thank all of the guests that have been on so far. And uh, let's stick right in. I, you know, this was something we were talking about offline that I, I had... I, Thing it would be really funny to kind of get your take on, you know, because you joined, you started working for a crypto company, you know, kind of when there was a bit more enthusiasm, let's put it like that, you know, and now, now you're still, you know, you've moved on from that to now working with Hero Network and, you know, things are uh, a little chilly, I guess we'll say a little, a little <laughs> chilly. So, you know, what has it been like when you, you know, you tell people that you just met for the first time versus when you first started working in crypto that, oh yeah, I work in crypto. You know, it's, it's usually a toss up. There are the people who get it and there are people who have, you know, been learning about the space, have interest in it, maybe own crypto. And they're usually a little bit more interested and ask questions around the work that I do and whatnot. But most of the people that I ask or that ask me usually don't have much to say. Uh, it's usually a bit awkward and it's just a, oh, you work in crypto. How's that? Especially now because the markets are down. It's been a rough time for the past at least six months. Uh, definitely more than that, actually. And yeah, there's there's usually a pretty negative connotation with it. Um, and that's pretty typical. I mean, just talking about it, you know, painting with a broad brush here for most people. Um, so usually not super well received, usually get a bit of an awkward face, uh, usually lots of questions around how it's going, uh, because I think a lot of people just assume that when you work in crypto, you're working for a Ponzi. Um, so usually just a lot of questions um, around, around that, but usually not positive, I will say that. Not necessarily openly negative, but usually not openly positive either. For sure. And you know, what's interesting, I mean, you've been, you've been on the road now, like you're going, you've been going to a lot more crypto conferences, you know, what's been kind of the practical take within the industry itself around crypto and where everything's at right now? This is, I mean, it's like with traditional markets too. When you talk about bear markets, this is cyclical and this is something that 
over time has happened before. It'll happen again. It's inevitable. When we look at crypto specifically with a lot of the stuff that's going on, it's really the result of just early stage technology. There will be things that break. There will be people who take advantage of those who know less than them and take advantage of information asymmetries. There will be people who want to make a quick buck and get out and not build something necessarily sustainable. And then there are the people on the other side of that. And there are the people who want to kind of blaze a new trail, forge something uh, you know, new and build something that lasts. So there's definitely a bit of a juxtaposition there within the space. But I mean, overall, the people within it now, we've really shook off a lot of those who maybe shouldn't have been here or were acting with like ill int- intentions because the market has been pulled back uh, to say the least. So I think- the ones who are left, a lot of the vapor has really been wiped away, which I think is a net benefit by far for the community, because the ones who are here are the ones who really care. And the builders are still building and they're very excited about it. They're taking this opportunity when things are a little quieter to reflect on the space and what we could do better and where to go from here. Absolutely. What would you say, you know, because again, another thing we're talking about offline is how like, you know, all just the scams get the most, you know, views and those are the those are the articles that tend to get the the biggest followings and all that stuff and uh, you know Ponzi schemes because those are still out there just all the fraud every you know we're in a crypto winter just here let's let's pile on but there prob- there must be some positive news that has gotten lost in that shuffle so maybe within the last like couple months what are some things that have been completely overlooked because of all this fud. All of the FUD. I'm teaching Bobby all of the acronyms, by the way, for anyone that's listening to this. um, I'm I'm making him feel old with all of the crypto slang, but he's getting there. He's getting there. So he even today. Very exciting progress. Um, So, I mean, there is a lot of positive stuff going on right now. And again, that's not what you see being reported on. I was on Twitter actually the other day and saw research showing even the language that's used in the media these days versus say a decade ago has skewed more and more year over year towards negative news and negative headlines, because that is a fear mongering thing. It's something that gets people's attention and it's ultimately what gets, you know, the newspapers off the stands, right. Or gets people viewing things, Um, which is obviously not the most healthy thing to only be looking at bad news all the time, but that's just the reality of it. And in a crypto winter, we've seen tons of people, piling on the ones who thought that crypto was a scam this whole time. Anytime there's a market pullback, they just take the opportunity to say, I told you so, it's going to zero, all of the things. Uh, So always expect that. But one of the biggest things, and this kind of ties into the whole idea for the podcast too, is institutional adoption and looking at what traditional financial firms have been doing to get ready to integrate crypto into their business. And that's from a variety of different perspectives. Fidelity, including Bitcoin in 401ks or the ability to include Bitcoin in a 401k plan. Um, There's firms like BlackRock. There are some of the biggest firms in the world, Fidelity and others. I mean, Fidelity did this quite a while ago, but they're all launching digital assets groups. They're having research teams. They're working on strategies. There are uh, teams like Wisdom Tree that we've had on the podcast that are, you know, working on new products that make it easier for retail and for more traditional parties and traditional investors to get exposure, whether that's, you know, um, again, there's not a spot Bitcoin ETF. So that would be a pretty easy one for, you know, a package that people understand that's really easily accessible. Um, But there's been tons of progress on that. And some of the firms that maybe didn't have very high conviction before have pulled back. But the biggest firms in the entire industry as a whole 
are still moving in this direction. So that's a huge positive. That's trillions of dollars. And those are the institutions that all the smaller firms, it sort of trickles down and they follow suit. So it's definitely a lot of positive talk on that front, to say the least. And it doesn't get the coverage that it deserves a lot of the time. So I've seen that. And I also think that from being in the crypto community, so kind of giving that take for the people listening, you know, most of them probably aren't working in crypto. There is a lot of positive energy, tons of brilliant talent coming to the space. I have seen many people that I've known from various industries that are experts at what they do. They're brilliant and they've done a lot of things in their career, could really go anywhere. And they're coming to this space. The brain, like the big brains are coming this way still. And the market conditions really haven't lowered conviction in that. We still see it happening. Uh, And also from being on a team that's building in crypto, I will say that Again, we got rid of a lot of the vapor and the scams and the people that were building unsustainable projects in this bear market. But beneath the surface, you know, below that vapor, there are tons of people who are still building. It doesn't matter what the markets are doing. If they have conviction around an idea that they think is going to be meaningful and really drive change, they're still working. And it really has not stopped them whatsoever. In fact, I think it's actually made a lot of people double down. And this is, you know, crypto is never boring, to say the least. Uh, I feel like I never sleep uh, 24-7 markets and all that. But I think this is a really important time, like I was saying before, um, to kind of pause and reflect. This is as quiet as the space will ever get, probably. Um, And it's usually pretty hectic. There's still a lot going on. But a lot of the people in the space that are, you know, passionate about what they're doing, this is a time to be really thoughtful about, you know, the projects that they're building and the direction that they're going in. And they're taking advantage of that. So there's a lot of positive stuff going on. There's a lot of products and projects being shipped. Um, and we don't see the coverage on that quite as much. To say the least, right? I mean, uh, I think I think for like two days, everything was sucked up by Kim Kardashian paying her her fine for, for you know, uh, touting some crypto, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that will, I'm sure that won't be the last, you know. Uh, that, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> so one pattern that's actually been coming up in the first uh, few episodes that we've been talking about here is a lot on regulation. And it's specifically been coming up. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when we asked, when you asked the last question about, you know, where does crypto succeed and where does it fail? And what's interesting is the answers are sometimes for both. Like, it succeeds with regulation and it might actually fail potentially with regulation. So I'd love to hear your take based on some of these first few interviews and what, what folks have had to say with regard to regulation. In terms of mass adoption for crypto at an institutional level, right? I was talking about institutions before and really within the current framework um, of what's available today from a regulation standpoint, it's, it's difficult for these larger corporations, larger financial firms to go all in, right? Because there's a gray area, there's, you know, they want long-term clarity and more specific guidelines for how to go about it. So, I mean, regulation really is a double-edged sword just because it needs to be there. And anyone in the crypto space that is really thoughtful about mass adoption and about really, you know, blazing a path forward is realistic about the fact that regulation needs to be there and that it's inevitable. It's just the way that it's going to be. So you want to work with that. And I think that the reason that a lot of people see it potentially as a negative is because there's going to be so much thought that needs to be put into building out like a robust regulatory framework. That's something that should never be taken lightly. And it never goes as quickly as you want it to. That's just a fact. That's with anything having to do with regulation is always a little bit slower than you'd like, right? You want your answers, but it has to be done thoughtfully because 
it could be a detriment to the space if regulation is gone about in a way that stifles innovation. It has to be, you know, very thoughtful for, you know, protecting investors, which is super important, putting safeguards in place um, to make the space safer for everyone involved. That's huge. That's first and foremost. But it also needs to allow for experimentation. It has to allow for things that our traditional financial system doesn't offer now. And the hard part with that is, you know, we have rules in place for those things. And how do you, how do you, you know, kind of pivot to say, you know, we've never dealt with this before. So how do we go about creating rules for it when we may not even know how it's going to play out? So a lot of it is, um, we've seen a lot of the regulations so far be more reactive than anything else, right? Like if a, if a company does something that's sort of out of line with what regulators might be in favor of, then they take action against it. It's more of regulation by enforcement than regulation by written policies and whatnot. Um, and that's sort of where we're at. But I do think that regulation is a huge benefit for the space as well, if done correctly, because again, that is the way that with proper regulations in place, the big financial institutions that have trillions of dollars in assets that can really move size into this space are waiting for. They're waiting for that. And when they have that clarity, a lot of the time, you know, in my last job, I spoke a lot to heads of RIA firms and different financial advisory firms. The questions were always about regulation and compliance and how they can get involved in this space and still abiding by the rules and not breaking them. So once there is that green light and once there's a framework for them to work within, you're going to see billions of dollars flowing into the space, but we're not there yet. So it has to be done correctly. And um, I think also too, from a retail side, right? Like most people, um, you've seen a lot of people kind of ape in, there's another uh, slang word for you, but when we've seen some people who, you know, went headfirst into crypto and really just went down the rabbit hole and are trying things that may not work, they might get rugged and lose some money, another term for you. Um, But the majority of investors aren't going to take that chance. And that's just that's just my opinion. Younger generations may be a little bit more willing and more risk tolerant. But for the masses, I mean, there needs to be protections in place where people are willing to try this space out because they know that there's oversight and they know that, you know, within at least reasonable situations where things are done incorrectly or wrong, that there will be I don't want to say a backstop, but you know, there will be sort of actions taken and that they'll be reasonably protected, not from them, you know, investing in something that doesn't work out or like investing in a stock that goes down, right? Like you're not always going to hit, be batting a thousand, but, you know, the baseline guardrails, um, I think a lot of retail investors are waiting for too. And right now to most, if you see the headlines, right, talking about all of the, you know, different schemes and different funds that are going down and whatnot, it doesn't instill confidence and people are going to wait until, you know, they see things turning in a bit of a bit better direction because they don't want that to be them. And I can't blame them for that. <laughs> Not one bit. Yeah. And I completely agree with that take. You know, and another thing that's kind of interesting that that I've noticed in doing the pod and, and following crypto news even more closely since we started working together on this is that, you know, clearly there that's probably the biggest catalyst of anything is some sort of guidance on regulation and or even when it's going to get started or finalize all that all that good stuff but there's still some other can- catalysts that are happening in between right and one of the biggest ones very recently was the big ethereum merge you know and, and like i don't know as a kind of more still kind of an outsider you know you know i just talked to you about crypto but like you know still kind of the outsider i didn't really understand if there was this like big 
Like, does something big happen as a result? Or like, was this more of just like, a, oh, cool. You know, like it was just a lot of bluster and then like the merge happened and it's like, okay, that was cool. Next. So we don't need to get into kind of from a technical perspective, what happened with the merge um, and kind of the shift that happened there. We could do an episode on that someday, but I think it was more definitely zooming, zooming definitely out do and, an episode. Yeah we, yeah, can, we can do that. We can merge. Um, but I think it's really just, it was something to look forward to. Right. And if you, it's, if you know that there is an event and you know that it's coming and you're wondering if it's priced in and you see people kind of planning their trading strategies around when this event is going to happen. And you see the date drop for when it's going to happen. And it's consistently talked about whether it's, you know, why it's a good idea to be doing from a technological standpoint or what it's going to do in terms of price movement. There are always going to be people who trade based on events, right? What is an event that'll actually move markets? And this was one that was repeatedly talked about for a long time. It was a long time coming as well from a development standpoint to get this completed. Um, and in terms of you know what's being built in the Ethereum blockchain, a lot of different projects, this was the biggest thing that the Ethereum community had coming for a while, in my opinion. Um, I hero builds on Solana, so I'm a bit biased with you know more of the creative stuff that's being built there. It's cool to see, but. It was more just activity around in the anticipation of it being completed, honestly. And I think we, I personally think that it got a little bit overblown in headlines and whatnot in terms of how, you know, big of an event that it really was. Um, again, I'm not an expert, but yeah, I think that was one that my mom was messaging me about the merge, right? They're, my mom barely asked me about crypto. She was asking me what the merge is. She was asking me if I had my Ethereum in a hardware wallet because she read an article on CNBC that told her that that was the safe way to do it. And I had to be planning correctly. Um, I was like, thank you, mom. Uh, I'm glad that you're interested now. But that was, it was just one of the biggest talked about things. And that's why it, you know, it, it took up a lot of the headlines, but um, I don't, I don't have a ton to say on it other than that. It's really like anything you'd see in traditional markets too. If a publicly traded company has an event coming up, even if from a material business standpoint, it might not be that impactful. And to not to say that for the merge, right? The, the shift that was made was definitely very important in a variety of ways. Um, again, we'll talk about that in the episode that we record on that. Um, but there are always going to be people who are trading based off of that and in, in anticipation of it and after the fact. So I think, I think that was really the crux of it. It's nothing too crazy in my opinion. For sure. And I appreciate, and, and it's a good thing we didn't get all technical here because I think that it definitely, that. <laughs> well, no, it definitely deserves its own episode for sure. Just kind of yeah. talking about that. Cause I'm, you know, there, I'm sure there's other, you know, big type developments and other, you know, chain blockchains that, all right, I'm going to sound like a dunce. So I'm going <laughs> to stop myself right there. Um, <laughs> so, but actually this is a good transition into one of the questions that we got on Twitter uh, for this episode today. Speaking of parents, right? Um, uh, so Doug Anton at Doug Anton, A-N-T-I-N, uh, wrote in here, um, right. We're ready for some Twitter questions, right? Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Solid transition. This is okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, he, he wrote in, how would you sell and onboard your parents into crypto? If you had to start from scratch with where the industry is today, that is such a great question. And I can, I'll wait to hear what you have to say about that. So this is like my manifesto like crack the knuckles and get ready to go. Um, I, I like this question a lot, right? Because there's so many different ways to frame it. And I think oftentimes people get very, uh, they have a tendency to overcomplicate. But for me, when I think about blockchain and crypto and everything that's kind of coming down the pipeline and what's being worked on, 
I explain it as something, again, when you explain things to people, you want them to, you want there to be a familiar, like a familiarity to it. You don't want it to be something super foreign. You don't want to explain it in a way that makes them feel further estranged from it. You want to bring them in. And when I explain blockchain to people, I really just explain it as the latest technological innovation in an endless line of innovations throughout time that have been created with the intent to make the processes and, you know, different things that we use every day more efficient, cheaper, and so on. Just better overall experience. And when we look at the financial system and what we've had for decades um, and the systems that have been in place, not everything is sunshine and rainbows. There are always things that can be improved upon. And a lot of you know, the friction points or bottlenecks in our traditional financial system come from having central points of failure or having intermediaries that have too much, you know, either too much power have to be in control of the decision making. And there are fees layered on top of that. There's time added um, in terms of all of the different things that you want to do and how long it takes them to be completed. And really what blockchain technology came along to do is not only make that more efficient, more seamless and lower cost, but also Think about what the internet did for communication. What the internet did for communication, blockchain technology is doing for value transfer. The internet came along and originally at its core allowed people to communicate globally instantaneously and you didn't have to, you know, um, it was much more efficient and it really did it in a way that allowed people to communicate directly or peer-to-peer, you could say, in some ways. Um, In a very general level, that's how I'd explain that. But when you look at what crypto is doing or what blockchain technology is doing, it is allowing me in digital form, digitally native experience, which is the direction that everything in the world is going towards, right? We all have our phones and our computers, everything's digital. And it's allowing me to send value directly to you in native digital form instantaneously without the need for an intermediary, a middleman. And it's doing it in a way that is faster than we've ever seen in a way that at its core is created to be more cost efficient as well. And that's really at the core of it, what it is. And even looking at decentralized finance and the things that have been built built since blockchains originated, it's the same thing with the internet. Again, the internet at its core was very, very basic at first, but you have that baseline technology and there are brilliant people that come along, see the opportunity and build user facing applications on top of that for various things. And like you and I are on Zoom today. Um, I'm going to go on Twitter probably after this on my computer. There, all of these things were built off of what the internet originally started as, which was much more simple. And we're seeing that with blockchain technology as well. All of these different decentralized finance projects and staking and what Hero is building, Hero Network, right? Um, on-chain derivatives markets. All of these things stemmed from that single creation of a blockchain. And we're just continuing to see innovations built off of this. And that's at its core how I explain it. It's something that we've seen before. It's something that we'll see again. And when you know that there is a more efficient way to do something that you have to do every single day, like finances, money impacts everyone around the world, why wouldn't you go with a superior solution? And you're never going to go back. It's just becoming, it's just something that we've seen time and time again. And this is the latest iteration of it. So that's usually my spiel. Gotcha. I, well, onboarding can mean a, a bunch of different things, right? There's onboarding just to like, all right, let's education side of things. There's actually like maybe where you can get exposure to it because you're interested in crypto. And then there's just actually using 
some sort of, of, uh, of application, right? You know, similar to like, you know, internet just started and now there's email, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, what would you say, let's, let's use that example on the application side. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the, 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 the low hanging fruit to get your parents onboarded into crypto that's similar to like email internet? Yeah. So we've talked about this in so many episodes in this podcast, because I think it's really important and it's the less sexy side of all of the things that are being built. The thing that will onboard the masses and not the people who are, you know, more willing to put themselves out there, the more degen like degenerate types or the ones that are willing to kind of try things out for themselves. What'll get most people onboarded are the bridges. And that's something that needs to be worked on. How do I onboard my traditional assets into this crypto world? What are the ways that make the entire process from beginning to end seamless? What makes it familiar and less intimidating for people, uh, less foreign seeming? And we even talked about this with Brett Harrison in our episode talking about FTX. FTX and any of the centralized exchanges that even, you know, they have like mobile experiences and applications and whatnot you can use on your phone pull up Robinhood, pull up one of your other traditional brokerage apps, they were designed to be similar. And the reason that they were designed that way is because someone that has bought stocks on their own before can look at an app like FTX and not feel so intimidated. And it's very, very easy to get started because you know, at least um, instinctually from the past of interacting in the traditional side of things, what the experience should be like. So I would say that is one of the biggest ones are the centralized exchanges that are offering an experience that's super similar to what most people have interacted with in traditional markets. That's huge. And no one ever talks about it because that's not really where the big innovation is, but that's where you start people off. That is getting people in the door. And once they have money that has been converted into crypto, they have assets in the ecosystem that are crypto native, then that's skin in the game. And when you have skin in the game, then you're incentivized to learn more. You're incentivized to dig in. You're incentivized to go deeper and do your research. And you've taken the first step. That's always the hardest part, right? With something new. And that is probably the way that most people will get started. It's not going to be, you know, there are a variety of ways that people will get started that are more kind of cultural and a little bit more, not necessarily as financy, like NFTs, being part of different communities, playing play to earn games where you can earn crypto from playing video games and whatnot. There are going to be other ways as innovations continue to develop that people get involved. But the masses who don't know where to start will probably buy Bitcoin, will probably buy stable coins to have a stable asset that is digitally native on chain um, to start with. And they're probably going to do it in a centralized exchange because it's an experience that they're less intimidated by. And that's the easiest way to onboard your traditional assets into the crypto world right now. That's like something that needs to be very much flushed out. The bridges are where I see a lot of people looking to build because they know that it's important for getting people started. You know, that's, that's an interesting point because it's really more, it seems like really the main bridge, at least to start for the masses has to do with more um, like a just, now starting to use it as a medium of exchange versus like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, it would be so cool. You know, blockchain is this amazing technology that you can track 
you know, who looked at what documents or signed documents and it's all in this, you know, digital infrastructure versus having to save like a word doc or whatever, you know, like those are things that I feel like continue to get completely brushed under the rug in terms of like these real applications, you know, versus the kind of the main focal point being like, oh, it can be, you know, Bitcoin and all these stable coins can be used as mediums of exchanges. Like why, why isn't, aren't those projects being pushed up? Because I, in my opinion, I feel like that's where blockchain ultimately will win. I, I think that that stuff takes a lot more time for it to permeate everyday life and be used in a variety of ways. Like that's going to take a long time for people to actually acclimate to that and bring it in, in a material way. Like that comes later, in my opinion, there are lots of uses for blockchain and, you know, we could go through them and they're interesting, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. That's going to happen in years from now. And I mean, it's happening now, but at scale, that's going to take longer. What a lot of people want exposure to first, it's not even necessarily the median of exchange. I would put Bitcoin and stable coins maybe in, in that bucket. Um, you know, I get paid in stable coins as an example. So it definitely does happen. And because it holds its value is stable. Uh, and it's very easier to offboard back into a bank um, as well, just because one stable coin is equal to one USD um, if it's US denominated. But if we're talking about the main reason that most people get involved, let's just be honest, is the price action. People are seeing the headlines and the seeing price go up into the right. Not right now, <laughs> but over time. Um, and they, you know, it's, it's even like, gambling or something, right? People, it may not work out. The technology might not work out. The project or the coin that you're putting your money into might not work out, but there's that possibility that you can make an outsized return on it. And that gets people every time it's human nature. It's the opportunity. It's not even necessarily the, you know, people in crypto always make the jokes that they're in it for the tech and that the technology is, you know, so society altering and so monumental. And that's truly what they care about. Most people that are just getting started just want to make money. And let's just, you know, let's just call it like it is. People want to make money. And if they think that they can make money from crypto versus stocks or versus bonds or versus, you know, whatever else you want to invest in, collectibles, whatever, they'll do it and they'll try it out. But it's not going to be in the way that a lot of the maximalist early, early day crypto people think that it will be. At the end of the day, most people right now don't care about the really inspiring story of things being decentralized and giving power back to the individual. Most people don't care about that. That is another reason why a lot of people use centralized exchanges to buy crypto because it's easy and they don't really care about the decentralized aspect of it and taking ownership of assets. They care about making money again. So it sounds kind of crude, but it's just the reality of it. That's what most people are in it for right now. And when it comes to bringing it into businesses and using it for other things, it's going to take a long time. And we're still very early in terms of adoption, even from buying crypto and holding it. So to use blockchains in a variety of different ways at scale isn't going to be happening in anytime soon. It'd be cool if it did, but it's it's going to be slower than, than you'd expect, maybe. For sure. I, I don't know. I think I think we, we covered a lot today in our first hash it out. We're hashing it out. This is good. We're literally it's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> we just came up with it. I think yeah. I think we just we just did. We did. Uh, <laughs> so uh Caitlin, I mean, do you want to find any final thoughts here before uh before uh, our next guest next week or anything like that? I'm excited for our next guest. We have a really good lineup coming up here. We got some some big hitters, but I, I think 
on this first one, I mean, I really just wanted to lay the groundwork. A lot of people don't even know how to approach crypto. And a lot of people out there that work in crypto, again, I talk about this a lot. So I'm sorry if you've heard this multiple times, but I try to be really practical about the approach to it and realistic to what it will actually work for people. And also when explaining the space too, like this is why we talk about some of the things that have gone down that are terrible headlines that you've seen. We've talked about people losing money in Ponzi schemes and ways that people have just pulled the rug out from people and take the money and run. Because if you don't talk about those things, I know that if I wasn't in the space and before I was in the space, it would be really suspicious to me if people working in the space didn't acknowledge these things were happening and didn't try to do better. So, and that's, that's one big thing. I always want to be able to address that. And with hash it out, I mean, who doesn't want to hear me talk, right? But I do think there are a lot of headlines that, you know, really interesting guests want to cover their areas of expertise, of course, but there's so much going on in this space. It's moving at light speed, even in a bear market, there's always something to talk about. And I want to be able to take the time to sort of scale it back. What's happening right now? What do you need to know about it? What are my thoughts if you happen to care? And, you know, what we can learn from it, because there's always something to learn. And there's always, you know, something new a new flavor of the week and we gotta we gotta hash out some some of that as well yeah that's a great place to end it all right you want to uh sign us off yeah um i mean thank you so much for everyone uh listening in and again we have some really good guests coming up here that i'm super super excited about we'll not spoil who those are you're gonna have to check back next week and which is when we'll have our next episode so thanks again and have a good one until then All opinions expressed by your hosts and the podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the hosts or any of their affiliates. This podcast is for commercial and informational purposes only, is not investment advice, and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. We are not recommending any securities or cryptocurrencies, nor is this an offer or sale of a security or cryptocurrency.